In the 61-62 NBA season, Wilt Chamberlain averaged 50 points and more than 22 rebounds and didn't win the MVP. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right, Charlie, what's up, buddy? How you like that one off the top? Catch you off guard, surprising information that is shocking and doesn't seem fair. That was shocking to me when you told it to me this morning and it led me <laughs> down a Google rabbit hole. A couple crazy things about that season. That was the year Oscar Robertson averaged a triple-double for the first time in NBA history for an entire season. He also did not win the MVP. Bill Russell won the MVP. Bill Russell was not first-team All-NBA that year. Will Chamberlain was first-team All-NBA. So we had the best center on first-team All-NBA, the second-best center winning MVP. Very strange. That's a conspiracy. We need to figure out what was happening with the voting. Speaking of voting, I think this is coming out on Tuesday, right? So go vote, do your civic duty. Definitely um, vote. But we do need to we need to find those ballots from the 61-62 season because how could Oscar Robinson not get it, Will Chamberlain not get it, and Bill Russell? I mean, we are celebrating Bill Russell this year. He died as the NBA is doing a bunch of Bill Russell celebrations. He won 11 titles was the first uh, player coach, in, or maybe he wasn't the first player coach, but he's definitely the first black coach of the Celtics, was amazing, but he stole he stole the MVP that year. He stole one, yeah. that's all. I mean, let's be real. He averaged 19, 24, and 5, so it's a pretty good season, <laughs> but, but I digress. <laughs> he was killing, too. All right, speaking of MVPs, let's go back to football, where mm-hmm. the MVP race seems a little bit more confusing because we thought Josh Allen probably had it wrapped up until this kind of dud that he dropped against the Jets recently. But I don't know. We can come back to Josh Allen, but I want to try something on you. I know how you're going to respond. You're not going to like it because you are part of the establishment. The MVP should be Tyreek Hill. It's the real MVP of the league. So I want your reaction before before I support my my uh, position. I want your reaction to Tyreek Hill should be the MVP of the league. He's the best player in the league. Tyreek Hill should be the MVP of the league. Not that, I mean, don't, don't see it. Don't try to. Well, that's this is where we're going to start parsing it. This is where we're going to start parsing it because I want to I because this leads to a lot of spider webs and spinoff discussion. First first spinoff like. Is he the MVP if the offense that he left is still excellent with Patrick Mahomes? Couldn't that make Patrick Mahomes, who's currently the betting favorite, the MVP? Because that offense is able to, you know, hold water without Tyreek Hill. Second second part of it, that Miami offense is a two-pronged attack with Jalen Waddle. How do you parse value there when you have the two fastest guys in the NFL playing next to each other? The third part of it, can an MVP be not a quarterback just when we define value? Let's take the the third question first. MVP discussion is, if we're going to be honest, it's more about like a story, a narrative than it is about performance. I think that's fair. But if you're someone who believes that you have to give the quarterback, give a quarterback the MVP, which it feels like the league has gone completely in that direction, then this is a waste of time discussion. It's something that I hate because it's not as interesting to me, but I understand in the truest sense, like the analytical sense, you cannot have a position that's more like valuable than quarterback. Mm-hmm. A good quarterback is going to be more valuable than anyone else if you're looking at value that way. But I think about it as impact and kind of the story that we're telling. So 
all the stuff that you presented out there is interesting, but those same facts cut against every other player. Cause like Stefan Diggs is balling. As I was looking right. at Tyreek Hill's number numbers in order to make this case, Stefan Diggs is having an incredible season. I think I think that Tyreek Hill is second or third for uh yards over expected yak, which is uh, a weird little ancillary stat, but it suggests that he's doing a lot of work that mm-hmm. uh Josh Allen is getting the numbers and credit for. So I'm not trying to say that Josh Allen isn't good or that um Stefan Diggs is the reason for his success, although it's not a coincidence that Josh Allen got good when Stefan Diggs got there. But what I am saying is if we're going to try to cut down my Tyreek Hill case because of what he's surrounded by, then we could do the same thing to Patrick Mahomes. I'm not trying to cut it down. I'm trying to help you strengthen it. Let's go. We're (laughs) going to go point by point and strengthen it because I do think he is the best single player in the NFL. Right now, for sure. And we've talked about the things that he uh contributes to or the the skills that he has that makes it so very hard as a cornerback his ability his quickness combined with his straight ahead speed and also all that in one person who can also track the ball and jump up and win contested catches it's like you rarely find it all in one player if he were taller i don't know that the game would be fair he's almost a perfect receiver otherwise i think he's the best receiver in football and i think he always was but the greatness of Patrick Mahomes made us pretend like it was somebody else. And now we're seeing that, no, they're both great together, which is why we saw historic offense, but Tyreek Hill is pretty special by his damn self. Yeah. So the, the, um, all right. So I think we, we, if you are someone who believes quarterbacks have to win the MVP, then you can, we can't have a conversation with you. Yeah. You're ruining the award. You're not fun, but I had to bring it up. (laughs) That's one of the proxy discussions around MVP. Yeah, that's you're an analytics nerd who doesn't like football and wants everybody to optimize everything until we become baseball and we just do um, strikeouts and home runs. So I hate you. Um, but I think just right. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I mean, they did. Ruin, I actually enjoyed the World Series. Yeah, I did. Because too. it was uh, in some of the playoff games. Until they started walking Bryce Harper because of analytics. Gosh, I hate analytics so much, but it makes football so much fun. Yeah. Analytics in football makes it make it better because analytics told people stop with the eye formation banging into the back of linemen, air it out. And so analytics is healthy for football. All right. What was the other one? The other one was like arguing that uh, it's about the help that he's getting from Jalen Waddle. Yeah, the- I want it. Well, it's parsing value. And I, you know, I've, I've, I've takes on this part, too, but like parsing value of the Dolphins offense with Mike McDaniel. Uh, an accurate distributor of the football into uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So Tyreek Hill put up numbers without Tua. And I think that Tyreek or and Tua was not good before Tyreek Hill. So I think that's an easy one to dismiss. It's not to take anything away from Tyreek Hill, but I mean, away from Tua. But if we're looking to make the Tyreek Hill argument, that one I think is easy to move on from. Now, parsing the impact between him and Jalen Waddle and uh, Mike McDaniel is a little harder. So Again, I then look over to say, all right, are you saying that uh, McDermott doesn't deserve any credit or Andy Reid right. doesn't deserve any credit? Like it, it's it feels like an argument that you're only making if you want to undercut uh, Tyreek Hill and not appreciate that. What tends to happen is the guy who wins the MVP is on a good team, which means there are other good players there. So the reason I, I think we easily took away the like the strikes against it. But the argument for it, I think, is a little bit more complicated. 
even though he has a thousand yards and is on pace for a two thousand yard season, which is historic and rare, was um I guess Calvin Johnson was he the last one to get two thousand yards? He never has. No one has gotten two thousand yards. No, Calvin Johnson was yards? just under two thousand yards. He he finished just under the barrier in a sixteen game season. Obviously, if there had been a seventeenth game, he would have gotten there. Yeah. And I actually. Okay, Tyreek Hill right now, we should go over the numbers really quick. 76 okay. receptions, 1,104 yards, and only three touchdowns so far. The reason that's significant is we know touchdown luck could and will regress. He could start stacking touchdowns in the second half of the season. 76 receptions puts him on pace for 144 of the course of the season. Michael Thomas, who only caught slants, not like Tyreek Hill, is on, uh, has the record at 149. So that's in, that's in reach. And the yardage one, he is on pace to break comfortably he's on pace for 2,085 yards. If he, he also could conceivably get to over the 2000 yard mark in 16 games this year, he has over hundred targets already, which I think Cooper cup is an interesting name to bring up is second with 93. So I think a reasonable argument against Tyreek Hill is Cooper cup completed the triple crown last year and didn't come close to sniffing an MVP. But this goes back to a conversation that you and I, you and I had a while ago. Is I think this is where you get into making a football, a more football-y argument. And Cooper Cup's impact is not the same as Tyreek Hill's impact on a team, on a defense, on a, a quarterback, and on a game plan. Like having Tyreek Hill, and I've talked about this before, in defensive meeting rooms when you're heading into a game, we start with the personnel. Who do we got to stop? What are they good at? I guarantee to you. Every meeting going into Miami when they're about to play Miami, and I'm sure when they were uh, playing the Chiefs, every meeting is like, we can't let this guy beat us. Yeah. That's the conversation. And then he still puts up a thousand yards uh, a little over midway through the season. It's insane and it's absurd. Um, the Jalen Waddle effect is, yeah, I think the idea that that nobody else can be good on your team is just like dumb and not worth no considering. That's, it's just that they're there are two of them that are so fast and so right. defense breaking that they are force multipliers i think that needs to be acknowledged that yeah, these guys are fair. athletically so unique and having two of them is destructive to any defense yeah and and patrick mahomes gets great protection and right. josh allen has two outstanding receivers a good offensive line and all that stuff too so are we going to take this take out on the streets? You're ready to take this take out into public and challenge anybody who wants to argue us. I, I think we should. And I think there's some additional reasons why. One, it's right. plus 8,000. So if, if 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 the Foxworth Army gets behind this, we can have early odds on this, which is really good for us. Um, second of all, I think there are, there are a few other things that are important. Obviously... To win MVP as a non-quarterback, to me, you really need to do three things to get the public's backing. One, you got to win a lot of people their fantasy football leagues. <laughs> and he, Tyree Kill is going to do that because he was drafted outside of that first crop of receivers. Two, you got to have a sick highlight tape that everyone sees on Twitter or SportsCenter or wherever you do that stuff. That one's great. The third one, you got to put up record-breaking numbers. And he has all three of those things. And then we should look at the two people who he's really going to compete against for the MVP, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And let's look at Josh Allen for a second, because I, we're going to disagree on this slightly, but I think 
the game last night really won't have that much of a long-term impact on his MVP odds, his chances. I think he's been for the last 15 months, probably the best overall quarterback in football. And I think over that period, probably the best player in the NFL. Um, but he injured his elbow last night. And I actually think that's the bigger situation because if his numbers drop and the bills aren't a complete juggernaut the way they had been for the first nine weeks of the season, that's the bigger factor. Cause we're going to actually, yeah, yeah, we're going to need to monitor the next nine weeks. I don't disagree with you. I do think that this game is going to be like forgotten. It's not, unless it leads to uh, a skid, this game is not going to determine whether he wins the MVP or not. And then the Mahomes part of it, they really struggled against the Titans team. And I actually found the defense more concerning than the Chiefs offense in that game because, you know, the defense let Derrick Henry run the ball down their throat for the first half, and then they figured it out, and then Mahomes did Mahomes things. But if the Chiefs lose a few more games down the stretch, that could also affect how we view them. If the Dolphins finish ahead of the Chiefs or Bills, they're in deep trouble. The the real kicker on my argument is you can't give it to Tua. <laughs> you know, like Tua yes. can't be the MVP. But right now, by QBR, which is a, a valid analy- or a valid um tool to, like, evaluate someone's value qbr two is the best in football but you can't give it to him because we know the reason why it's like that is tyree hill so like i think we do this we got to get our bets in and then we got to use our influence in the media to get everybody on board and then make what'd you say we got 800 was eight thousand eight thousand oh man we gotta put a little something on that this might be my first bet is to put a little something on Tyreek Hill to win the MVP and then go. Is that like insider trading? If I then go and get up and, and try to sell the country on it, I'm not going to like go to jail. Not if you're not voting. Not if you're not. <laughs> you are allowed to bet on the MVP as long as you are not voting on it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do. You do. We all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, on Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right. Well, speaking of bets that I would not have cashed or should have been 8,000 to one, 
Jeff Saturday named interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. So full disclosure, Jeff and I go back more than a decade. We're good friends. I love him and I trust him. I was flabbergasted. I try my best to be as unbiased as possible. Actually, I'm not. I think a better thing to do than be than try to be unbiased is to like admit your biases and then let people do with it what they may because no one is actually unbiased. We all have some biases that we're either aware of or not aware of. And my bias in, in this place is I love Jeff. And if I didn't know or love Jeff, I would think whoever got this opportunity would fail and I would be shocked. I would be aggressively pointing out the fact that this would never happen for a black coach mm-hmm. and, or not a black player or anyone right. black. It's just not something that has happened in the history of football. But I have a relation with Jeff and I think Jeff's a pretty special person. So like I'm happy for him. And because of that, I think he's going to succeed or maybe I just want him to succeed. And like, I don't hold him responsible for the entire history of like black coaches in the NFL, but we can't pretend like this is not like another, I don't know, slap in the face (laughs) to, to like, the black coach because like the interim coaching job that's the normally the job we get like they hire they give a black coach the interim job and then he fails on a team that was not very good and then they move on and they have like one point for hiring a black coach so i don't know i don't know where to go from there i just thought i should put that all out there and again i'm rooting for him i like him and it's not his fault and and black coaches aside i imagine there are a lot of coaches this morning or this afternoon, or whenever you're listening to this, that are like, what the f***? That, that was my reaction, okay? Yeah. Like on, on a really human level, not to not to cut you off on this one, but it was just stunning because he's never coached before. And whoa, 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 don't you talk about my man like that? The high school coach. Okay, he's never coached at the, at like a, a, a recognizable level for, for football fans. Is that a, is that a nice way to they, say it? They be they be making the playoffs and stuff. People will be recognizing them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I beyond all of the obvious moral concerns that that shape all of this, I did think this might have been the most shocking coaching hire I can remember. I cannot remember being stunned because there are so many retreads and obvious candidates that get hired in the NFL that Jeff Saturday being named. Um, First, I was shocked. Then I thought about all the same things that you thought of. Then I tried to spin it into, well, what's the positive way to look at this? We've we've talked about this before that often, you know, black interim head coaches are hired to lose games and then not get the full-time job. This is a team that's going to suck for the rest of the year. And who knows if, I know he's your friend. I've never met Jeff, but who knows if he's going to be there for the, for the rest of the year. So maybe there's a chance that Jim or say and the Colts can do right um, with the real, you know, coaching hiring process and bringing diversity into the building over the offseason. The next thing I thought was, wow, his eyes are going to look great wearing the Colts <laughs> polo on the sideline. Those beautiful baby blues with oh. the eyelashes. So Jeff is like, um, uh, if you've ever heard him talk, so like the black coaching thing, and if my audio just got better, it's because I realized I hadn't plugged in my microphone, so you're welcome. Um, <laughs> if you've ever heard Jeff talk about like black coaches and professional football, he cites Jim Caldwell and I believe his high school coach as like 
two of the most like impactful men in his life who are both who are both black coaches. And like he has a full understanding of the history. Well, I don't want to say a full understanding. He understands the history of the stuff and he is on what I would consider the right side of this conversation most of the time. And I suspect at his press conference, it's going to be something that he's going to address and probably address it quite well. And I hope to hell he does. But um, that aside, I, I have to ask questions about the hire and the goals or the purpose of the hire. Because normally what you do is promote somebody that's already on the staff. And so Jeff was a consultant. Um, and we've talked about the in private, the, the issues that they were having there and the things that he was able to add to that team. But he wasn't like interacting on a daily basis. Like I was I'm supposed to be doing TV with him right now. Like mm-hmm. Last week we was doing TV together and this week supposed to do TV together again. So um it's going to be interesting for him to like integrate himself into that staff at the top of the staff. So back to the original question, what is Jim Ursay trying to accomplish? And right. we could make a bunch of uh, jokes about Jim Ursay and his history, and he might be a little bit more erratic than, than most owners, or at least the perception is out there that he's a little bit more erratic than most owners, but he's won Super Bowls. He's had a, an organization that's not a wholesale embarrassment. Like, um, the Washington football team. So like, I'm going to assume that him and his daughters are uh, running this team reasonably well. Well, when, when have the Colts been good when they've had a generational quarterback? Well, people, people mess that up too. Of course they mess that up. But like the two times we've really seen the, the Colts be a consistent playoff team is when, at least in my lifetime has been Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck retired. It changed the entire outcome of the franchise. This year, there might not be an Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning, but there are three guys at the top of the draft that people think can actually change a franchise. Bryce Young, because of his poise and his polish. CJ Stroud seems like an incredibly complete prospect who's probably going to end up going number one. And then Will Levis, who's at Kentucky, who's the really toolsy guy with the massive arm, who's a, who might have the highest upside of the three. If you are hiring an interim coach when your team is 3-5-1 and one, and What's the story for the Colts been for the last f- five years since Andrew Luck retired? We're a quarterback away. We'll patch it together with Phillip Rivers. We'll patch it together with Carson Wentz. We'll patch it together with Matt Ryan. There are three guys that they don't need to patch it together for. So that has to be part of this. Yeah. So that that popped into my head is like, why do you hire someone who doesn't have any coaching experience when there is uh, really good quarterbacks at the top of the draft? Like, uh, I don't know. the, And again, this because of my relationship with Jeff is something that I'm more hesitant to say. But if I'm trying to extract my feelings for Jeff from this, then I'm like, this is a tanking maneuver. Right. Like, and, and you know, yeah. And you know how I feel about that. And it's not even as as many people will frame it, in, including uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, that I think it's about player safety. I think it's just more about the obligation that you have to players because it's so hard to get to the NFL and your career is so short. The idea that you would be sabotaging any portion of a player's career to me is like really despicable and, and upsetting and disappointing to me. So again, Jeff, that's not something that I, I, I think Jeff believes that he can do a good job. And he's not going to go in there and sabotage everything. But it sure feels like, why wouldn't you? I guess when we'll get some questions, we'll figure this out. Because 
don't the coordinators, don't you owe it to like the assistant head coach? Don't you owe it to the coordinators? Don't you owe it right. to somebody that's already on the staff? And and I personally don't think that it's um I don't want to say that it's not hard to be a head coach. I think it's very, very hard to be a head coach. But I believe that you can become a head coach in the NFL without like all this long term coaching experience. So I think Jeff can do this job. But just for like managing the organization, that is a hell of a damn grenade to throw to roll into the room. Like, you know who's in charge now? It's a consultant dude who coaches a right. high school team. Right. No matter how many Pro Bowls he won or how many Super Bowls he won for the Colts, it's going to be hard for him. And he's he's very personable. I'm sure it won't be a problem. But uh, it was just a couple weeks ago where he and I were sitting on TV criticizing people's in-game decisions. I can't wait to roast <laughs> Jeff. Oh, oh, you better not mess up managing that clock, buddy. It's a very, it's going to be a very awkward situation for him to walk into with the rest of the coaching yeah. staff. That is something I hadn't thought about and is... I can't I can't imagine how he'll manage that. Yep. Well, I'm rooting for him. Who do they have this week? Let's see. They have the Raiders. Ooh, they also have a coach who may not be there for, for long. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I know one thing they're going to do is run the ball. If you watch Jeff talk about anything football related, it is run the ball. I saw Schefter tweet out that nobody on their staff has um play calling experience so this should be interesting 10 seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base how about businesses on shopify (laughs) shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. I don't know where else to go on that story. So let's get to these uh, rapid fire. Or should we get our, get our bets? Yeah, let's go to our bets. Recap our bets? Okay, recap the bets for us. So we went one and one. We're up to 12 and nine on the season. We uh, At least we got our money's worth on the first one. We bet the Panthers at plus seven and a half against the Bengals. They got shellacked. I turned on the TV. They were down like 42 to 7. So I just turned the TV back on, yeah. crossed that one off. But you can you can tell the people that I cost us one. You can tell them that you had a you had a bet on the table and you wanted the Seahawks or yeah, the Seahawks over the Cardinals. And I was like, I don't like that one. And you were right. So we went one and one. We should have done better, but I was pretending like I know everything. But we're still over 500. So we're the best betters in the business right now who don't actually bet anything. That's right. And we're going to be great betters once Tyreek Hill wins the MVP. Oh, yeah, we got to make that happen. 
that's that, that's the type of shot that you call and uh really gives us some credibility <laughs> all right so um let's revisit our final four teams for this season yeah. so before the season started um we chose bills chiefs on the afc side eagles 49ers on the nfc side so how are you feeling about that now i feel pretty good i feel that uh you were incredibly prescient in those picks <laughs> i mean i feel those are i'm more confident about those four picks now than i was at the start of the season i think it's incredibly clear that three of those four teams are the best three teams in the NFL and the 49ers have the talent to be there for sure. And experience. We'll just see if Jimmy G, if Trey Lance would have been healthy is the real question about this season, because that, that quarterback situation is a question mark. Not that Trey Lance would have been a much better passer than Jimmy G, which he very well could have been, but just like that extra element of running the ball, we see how valuable it is in that chiefs game. That was the difference. Even though Patrick Mahomes threw for 450 yards, damn near, those running plays, those scrambles, that athleticism to me felt like what really uh, won them that game against the the Titans. So we'll see what happens with Jimmy G and the 49ers, but I think I feel pretty safe about that final four prediction, even with some key injuries and some acquisitions. Did you see the rumor that sort of got floated that Tom Brady could be interested in San Francisco again next year? I saw it. How would you feel about like with this team with Trey Lance having not played football in in three years, Jimmy Garoppolo presumably gone? Is that a move that you make if you're the 49ers and you're looking at this conference? Um, yeah, I guess if you can get Tom Brady, you get Tom Brady. Well, uh, the tough thing is Shanahan is an offensive guy, and yeah. my guess is Tom Brady has his hands deeply involved in how you develop the offense having Tom Brady and Shanahan in the same uh, like meeting room could end up with some great offense or it could end up with some egos and some challenges. The, the psychological like social part of this is slightly more interesting to me. And this is a simple question. Why? Like I get it. You love it. But, but why again, another team, other side of the country. Why? He's a sick puppy. He's a sick, sick puppy. Why? Like, I, I don't know. And I think that's possibly, we've talked about this before too, that I, I, um, I'm supposed to like be able to speak for athletes, but there's some athletes that I just don't understand. And I, I'm not an all time great. And maybe part of that reason was like, I did not have that mentality. The mentality that's like, never let go. I keep looking for something. We see that with a lot of like all time greats is they don't leave until nobody wants them anymore. <laughs> they're incapable so it might be something in there that is a little off that makes them special but i can't imagine after this season being like you know what the solution to this is let's go west and do it all over again with a new team because i need 10 trips to the super bowl all right he's been there nine times right right and uh you know already crossed a hundred thousand yard uh career passing yards uh which is bananas um i do want to make one thing this will only take a minute a rapid fire group of teams after we just mentioned tom brady that we're going to cross off of our podcast rundown for the rest of the season unless something insane happens that we have to talk about okay so we're crossing them off like we're not even going to talk about them yeah unless something crazy happens with them because like we've we've talked about them too much okay i'm down the first one's the bucks they're constipated they're bad 
we just keep on going through the same Tom Brady cycle of, ooh, look at the NFC South. They're going to figure it out. Yeah. They're leading though. So we, I feel like we can't, well, all right, I'm good on it. I, I did not watch that game. I, I watched the replay of the final couple drives because I was like, I can't watch this. This is terrible. So I'm with you. Spoiler alert. You missed nothing. <laughs> I know. Like both of those teams, like, I don't want to see this anyway. What's next? Second one's the Packers. They, they, they stink. What are we doing? Like, and like, and now it's not even like for so long, the odds were that the betting odds were that they were going to actually win the NFC North. That's gone. We got iced out Kirk Cousins there. They have such a lead games wise and the Packers are so bad offensively that that's done. How many times can Kirk Cousins do that trick and we still be like, oh, it's so cool. Like, I feel like Kirk Cousins. It's not cool. Let's be clear. It is not. I don't like it either, but like it feels like it gets people like love it. They celebrate it on the Internet. His teammates love it. Like we've we've seen Kirk Cousins, a corny old white dude wearing chains like young black football player. This is hilarious. Like it's, it's not cute anymore. Ryan Fitzpatrick did it. It was cool. It's no longer cute. Give it up, Kirk. But I guess it's, it's for them on the plane. It's not for us. But I think I'm more annoyed right. at the people on the Internet who are like, this is so awesome. They're now my favorite team. Anyway, next. The last one's the Rams. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> They're they're done. Congratulations on your 2022 Super Bowl. That was that was great. We'll 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 see you in five years when you have an entire new roster. Yeah, they enjoy LA, the sunshine. You guys are done. Um, Odell Beckham, any discussion for him, or save that for later in the week? I got one one thing there. Mm-hmm. That Jay Glazer reported that he's going to be cleared to play next week. That'll be like the the ten month mark. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to talk about the, you know, the, I don't want to be the Twitter doctor and say, well, after 10 months, who knows how close he's going to be to being 100%. But I do think that this is something to monitor for us because one of your themes of the season has been how receivers affect offenses and how number one receivers in particular. And he's got a really unique skill set of being able to take slants, get a lot of yards after the catch right. and beat people deep. And I really am going to be interested to see if that's a plug and play player immediately for a contender that he joins. I assume he's off the table now for the Chiefs because of Kadarius Tony, right. but every other team conceivably should want another weapon like that. Yeah, I mean, especially the Ravens with Bateman's issues, um, but I'm not sure that he would want to go there. Yeah, we'll see. I'm sure that every team was in contention and would want him, but to your point, who knows what type of condition he's going to be in. And uh, either way, he's fun to watch. So I look forward to it. All right, Charlie, we're done. I got one last thing I want to add. You want to add, you always say we should add a little non-football to the end. Oh, yes. Tennis. Yes. I want to add a a, a tiny tennis. Oh, no, no, no. I'm excited about this. All right, give it to me. You like Victor Wembanyama, right? Love him. 18-year-old prospect. He's something you've never seen before. He has all... he has your imagination going wild. Do you know what's cooler than one Victor Webinyama, Dominique Foxworth? What's that, Charlie? Two Victor Webinyamas. And that's what tennis has right now. We've been waiting for two decades. And I say the the we as in people, the, the group of people that actually care about tennis. We've been waiting for two decades for people that can actually beat Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer. We found one in Carlos Alcaraz. He won the U.S. Open. It's the most athletic guy I've ever seen playing tennis. That was so fun. Like watching Alcaraz play in the U.S. Open was so fun. That was like my introduction to him. You are a real tennis guy, so you knew about him. And I watched him. It was explosive, athletic. It was everything that you want from your sport. So you're telling me there's somebody else who is comparable. Give it to me. 
His name is Holger Runa. Great nickname on this guy. The Great Dane. The Great Dane. <laughs> is he enormous? No, he's oh he is kind of he is kind of big, but he's um he's from Denmark. Um and very different than Alcaraz, stiffer. He's a power player, huge serve, and has been badly behaved in the past. And people were wondering, huge prospect, if he was going to put it together. Well, he shows up in Paris this weekend on an indoor hard court, beats five of the top 10 players in the world, moves into top 10, wins a Masters 1000. He beat Alcaraz along the way, he went to withdraw from injury. But then he went toe-to-toe with Novak Djokovic and beat him in the final. And this is significant. First of all, he's the first guy ever to beat five top 10 players in five days. Second of all, beating Djokovic on his preferred surface as a 19-year-old, that just doesn't happen. And what's exciting with this is not just that they're prospects. They didn't wait for Nadal and, and Djokovic to age out. They're actually beating them at the tail end of their prime. When is the next time I can see him? I don't want to hear about it. I want to watch it. Send me some clips or... Jan- January 16th. We'll we'll have coverage of the Australian Open because it's going to be a battle of old versus young. It's going to be the end of of Nadal and jo- and Djokovic, and it's going to be Alcaraz. All right, thanks for the heads up. I will be watching uh, YouTube clips about him. I cannot wait for January. What is January? What January sixteenth? All right, let's see Australian Open. Can't wait. All right, roses and thorns. He's so good. How is Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. Hey, honey. Oh. Hey. <laughs> I was about to introduce it, but you just barge right in and do it. Okay, your well, redo. Go ahead. All right. Time for everybody's favorite Foxworth. Ashley Foxworth, Roses and Thorns. Let's do it. What did I do well? What did I do not so well this week? A thorn is that we've already talked about how I don't like when you say everyone's favorite Foxworth. It feels like a lot of pressure. It's not a lot of pressure. I mean, it's true. I'm joking. Like, I, I'm I, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not joking. I don't like it when you say it, but I'm not worried about the pressure. Like, I know it's a joke. It's not a joke. Like, people like you more than me. It's uh, it's it's not new to our lives. It's not just on this show. It's just in general around everyone in our lives. People want to hang out with you nobody really wants to hang out with me which is fine <laughs> i want to hang out with you i love hanging out with you i don't want to hang out with them either that means i get you to myself more i'm your favorite foxworth but you're everyone else's favorite foxworth it's a it's a good deal nice shirt kaleidoscope action thank you yeah it is kaleidoscope um it is um so how was your weekend i get cost a lot oh great oh my gosh <laughs> it was great you're so annoying great. you were always so great how am i annoying i was that's another way of saying it's a nice shirt you want me to say it looks cheap that shirt looks cheap there you go all better now our weekend was fun we had declan had a sleepover which was a cool new experience it went without a hitch which was nice i mean i guess not a new experience because he had a whole birthday party sleepover which was not a fun experience but it happened a couple of years ago like it's pre-pandemic right but this is i think his first no it wasn't no it wasn't pre-pandemic it was pandemic right after the whole class had covid anyway so it was like, oh remember it was, like yeah. he had it his class had it we got it well you didn't get it which i'm still salty about and i'm gonna talk about it but me and all three kids had it and so then it was like well it's your birthday have it come on over kids um 
So yeah, it was a lot. It was a bunch of boys. And actually Avery wants to have a sleepover for her birthday. And I feel bad because you know Declan's so into like equality, not equity, but equality. Um, and let's say he had maybe six boys for his sleepover. I told Avery who and Declan was turning nine when he had this party. I told Avery who's turning 12 in December, early December, um, that like early, early December, December 2nd, like we should have sent out these invitations already, that she could have a sleepover. And I said, okay, I guess you can invite 10 people. If he sees 10 girls here, he will remember so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And I only got six. So we're doing a redo and I'm going to hit, no, you're not doing 10. Like, I'm sorry, but six little boys was harder than six, nine-year-old boys was probably harder than the 10 12-year-old girls would be, but whatever. It was rough. Um, we did, did we go anywhere this weekend? No no dates this weekend? Did we do anything? Oh, no. I, I went out with some of my friends. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But the two of us didn't, which brings me into, it's not quite a thorn. It's a thorn recap, actually. So I was out just at, like, it actually was maybe Friday or Thursday. It wasn't, it wasn't, like, actually the weekend, maybe Thursday or so. Um, at a restaurant, like, in our neighborhood. We live in D.C., in a neighborhood that doesn't have like too many like restaurants and stuff but I was like at the local that you can walk to like I was at the nearby and I didn't walk I drove because I'm lazy and it was dark but I was at like the nearby um restaurant we go to with a friend of mine who lives in the neighborhood and apparently the restaurant closes at 9 30 or 9 but that's like when you can last sit down and I went at like 7 30 maybe Dominique and I have my phone, like my phone's always on do not disturb. I just forget to turn it on. And he is a favorite, but I still, I managed to not feel it vibrating. I don't know how this happens. Anyway, my phone was sitting in the booth with me and apparently he was texting me and calling me just to check in. Cause I've been there for like two hours and it's the type of place where normally I go for like an hour and I come back home, but I was really enjoying being out with this woman, this friend of mine. And he was lighting my phone up. I did not see it. Is that the same lighting my phone up? People get it. Okay. And apparently he was worried about me and couldn't find me. And he tried to go to check my location, which I used to share with him. But one time when he were talking, I complained about how he doesn't share his location with me. And I threatened to stop sharing mine. And I actually guess I did it. I stopped sharing mine. And so he was so worried. He was like, if you don't answer me soon, I'm going to come down there. Are you okay? Luckily, I, I, I saw it. But that's just to my point. Like, why not share locations? Um. I wasn't like actually really worried. It was just like, it seemed weird. It was like, all right, I mean, I'm gonna have to go down there at some point if they've been closed for an hour and you hadn't responded to a text messages. Like he like had Googled what time the restaurant closed, by the three, way. Yeah. No, I knew that it closed soon as our local like neighborhood, quiet little restaurant. I knew what time it closed. But anyway, so the point was, I was like, all right, you had, it wasn't just that you weren't responding at that moment. It was that I texted you like an hour after you left and it was like something irrelevant. You didn't respond to that. And then it was like three hours later. I was engaged responding. in deep conversation and didn't feel yeah. And then three hours later, you didn't respond. And then I was like, the restaurant closes at nine and it's an hour and a half after the restaurant closes. I was like, all right, well. And he checked my location only to find out he couldn't see it. <laughs> I don't think anything actually happened, but like, I would like be really upset at myself if I didn't like follow through on this. So I was like, all right, you have to respond to me at some point or I have to like come down. There. It's like a mile from the house, if that, so. It wasn't like a big major commitment. The kids would have been all right. And then I was like, well, doesn't she share a location with me? So I checked it and it was it was disabled. So I was like, all right, cool, whatever. I showed him. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm still not going to share my location. But I'm happy to no, I'm happy to share it back to you. But can you just share no, yours don't. with me? Why? 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 Because I'm I'm not a child or a dog. I don't need to be but, microchipped by you. It's okay, fine. but you had an experience where you would have enjoyed having my location shared. So can't you understand like that I could be on the other side of that sometimes? 
But the thing is, I don't. And that there's I, no harm because you're not at places that I'm not supposed to know you at, right? And I'm also not going to check. I've never once checked any of my siblings' locations ever in my life. Like, even though they share them with me. So why wouldn't you just share it with me? I'm a Luddite and I don't want to give in to that. So like, also, I don't. What is like a Luddite? Go... What is that word you're saying? It's like, you don't like technology. It's just. Oh, okay. So I, I don't also go. I, I don't go several hours without like reaching out to you or responding to your text messages. So like, uh, there's plenty of ways to get in contact. You don't need to know like my- I'm gonna reach out to you at a random time just to make sure you go several hours without answering. I'm gonna text you at like 1 a.m. tonight. All right, well, it doesn't matter. I will um, still not share my location. Just never happening. I think okay. it's, it's also- Okay, I'm not gonna like, share mine either. All right, cool. We just never know where each other are, which is- I'm gonna be in these streets. It's normal. Like it's the way that- um, we all grew up this, knowing sharing locations is like in the last two years. We're fine. Okay. Okay. That's ridiculous to say that it's normal. That's the way we all grew up. There's so many ways we like, like we grew up without car seats. So what? Like, or we're oh, like, yeah. okay. We were like, like barely. <laughs> okay. We are right. We probably had car seats. I don't know, but we often weren't in them. Like I grew up, my parents are five children. We grew up when they went on like date nights, the three of us in the jump it wasn't even a jump seat in the back of there. It was an Elante, a Cadillac Elante. We would sit in the back without seat belts, with no seat. Like that's how we grew up. That doesn't mean we would do that to our children. You're right. It's a bad example. I'm not doing it because I don't want to. And mostly because you honestly, the real reason is mostly because you want me to. It's like, oh, eh, can't do that. I'm good. Okay. You know what? There's another thorn for you. Um, that That's how you make some of your decisions sometimes. So we're hosting Thanksgiving dinner. Um, on Thanksgiving, I was gonna tell y'all what it was like. Um, and Dominique is charged with making the turkey. You can roast a turkey. He roasts some delicious turkeys. I showed him a couple years ago a picture of this turkey I wanted. It had like apples and flowers. It was the most gorgeous thing. And he went and made our turkey not just taste good, but look like the turkey in that picture. He's good at roasting turkeys. I mean, he don't do that often, but he's roasted a few solid ones, right? I mean, I like a challenge, and I'm good at everything that I try to do. So I mean. I mean turkeys eh, eh. and anyway name something I'm not um, good at this it. year thanksgiving that was that was a small thanksgiving but anyway this that's irrelevant this year we're like you know what we got to be with our family again eventually so we're having uh, probably like 40 people here and he's in charge of the turkey and he's insisting on frying it and the main reason he's doing it is to upset me i think because no, it's not. me to one worry that he's gonna like get his like fingers burnt off and stress out on Thanksgiving when I should just be cooking and getting ready to entertain and be with my family on this beautiful day of gratitude. And two, because I don't want him to. Those are the reasons that he is frying the turkey. No, I, I mean, I think that you create expectations. I think I've created expectations that like, if you disagree with something, I'm not going to do it. So that's mostly what happens. But honestly, last Thanksgiving that I was tasked with making the turkey i planned on frying it and you said don't fry it you've never fried it before so guess what i roasted the turkey and made it with the apples and flowers and all it that was stuff. beautiful and, and delicious you know and so this year i purchased the turkey already it is currently defrosting because i'm gonna pre-fry it so that i know that i can do it do it again we all agree that fried turkey is more delicious so i would like to make a good delicious turkey and i've never fried a turkey before so i want to challenge so i feel like this is me complying if your reason was because i hadn't done it before knock that thing out when i get back from new york i'm gonna knock out a, my first fried turkey we can eat it up see how we like it and then thanksgiving 
You can't say I hadn't done it before and it's going to be outstanding. I'm sorry for being curious and wanting to learn new things and add and make a delicious turkey. My bad. I think you scared. You don't want me to upstage the rest of your food because my turkey just going to be hidden. It will be so good. It probably will. And I'll, I'll have a little mini backup smoked turkey that I'll get from the barbecue place nearby just, just in case that fails. So I, I think the main reason is because I hear horror stories about how, like how smoking turkeys can be like dangerous. I'm not smoking. Frying turkeys can be dangerous. And you I thought know, about smoking it too, by the way, because we have that pizza oven that we never use. I was like, I should try to smoke it. Maybe next Thanksgiving I'll smoke a turkey. I insisted on getting this outdoor pizza oven when we like did some work on our patio. And like, it's like Italian, delicious. I tried it several times. My pieces were nasty as I don't know what. And apparently like I'm a quitter when I'm not good at things <laughs> um, because I'm good at cooking and I cook a lot. Pizza, I just, it wasn't my thing. So. It's, just, it's a hard thing. You have to make a fire with wood and regulate the temperature inside a fire with wood. It's a hard thing to do. Like, I mean, it's like literally, thing. remember the time you burnt your arm hair on yeah, it? Yeah, I did. Like your arm hair, like was like off, yeah. yes but like and still though some of it was there and it was just like gray Ooh, that's how you can get your hair gray you can just put it in the fire um but that's a bad idea. So, obviously honey i'm joking but that could happen on thanksgiving with the fried turkey that's my biggest fear like it's not that i'm worried about how the turkey will taste it's not that i really think you'll mess up and we won't have a turkey like i don't care about that it's that i'm worried about your like safety i worry about you so much and that kind of gets at another one of my thorns a recurring theme is that you have anxiety and you expect everyone else's life to be dominated by uh, accounting for your anxiety. That's what it sounds like. No, it's that I think that because I have anxiety, you like, and I don't, but I guess, I guess you were like this when we were dating, but sometimes it feels like you have like made yourself like a foil to me. Like you are like purposely being like living all wild and like free, <laughs> like, like leaving doors unlocked or letting our kids go outside alone or leaving a candle lit um well let me tell you like of the two of us I'm far more conservative than you like not it's not even close like of the two of us I'm a lot more conservative than you I don't think I'm risk-taking I think what happens and I agree with you I do think that I'm a little bit I behave in a little bit slightly riskier fashion with our children because of you, in part because I don't want them to grow up being scared of everything. So like our 11 year old daughter is gonna be 12 soon. She's incredibly responsible. She wants to walk down to the CVS and buy Which some stuff. Which is ridiculous. On she her has own. to walk on a road that is curvy with no sidewalk next to a forest where someone could snatch her. And Goodness gracious. the only time she does it, she won't ask me when I'm home. It's like, I'll come back from an errand and I'll pass her on the street. And I'm like, what? She's like, daddy said I could. Daddy said I good. I do feel a little bit better, honestly, now that she has a phone. Because like, at least we can track her because her location is shared with both of us. Um, but yes, but, but I she's simply, a child. Okay. Oh, that's whatever. I'm past that moment. You're not getting my location. I'm not getting yours. Whatever. We both have Avery's. Um, I really feel like though, like I have to be more anxious though. I know you think I would be this, you think I would be this anxious all the time, but like, I feel like I cannot relieve my anxiety because like, let's say I, I was going to say upside down you, but what's where a bell curve, like if anxiety is like a bell curve, like, I feel like as a couple, we should be like at the top, right? Like, like, like it's, you can't not worry at all. As a couple, we are at the top. I know. And that's why I can't move from the bottom. You don't worry enough. 
Like you don't worry enough. And that's just not how humans survive. Like we have to worry about ourselves to survive. I don't need to. You got all the worry and cover. I know, but what if I want to stop worrying some? What if I want to take my anxiety medicine and chill? Exactly. I can't. That's the point. I can't. I can't because then I might be only worried like here on the curb. Like, and then you're not worried at all. And then as a unit and as a family, we're not in the safe worry portion. We're like too unanxious. And so I just really feel like you should be a little bit more cautious and worried about things so that I can worry less for the both of us. A, if you are actually concerned about addressing your anxiety, you would take the medication that was prescribed I for you can't. several years ago. I'm scared to take it. Not several years ago. I, I have a fresh prescription. Thank you. I just got some. I know, but you still, you've gotten prescribed it multiple times. You've never taken it. I didn't like the way that other one was described to me. I felt like it might dampen my excitement while also dampening my worries. Like I want to feel my emotions. Okay, cool. So I would like to feel my emotions too. And Okay. But I'm just saying, if you want me to worry less, if you want me to feel comfortable, like being able to take anxiety medication and, and I think I can deal with my anxiety in other ways besides medication, but I can't, I can't because you, sir, will not um, worry enough for the both of us. To be clear, you said that I got more risk-seeking as a response to you having a lot of anxiety. So it sounds like you agree that you're the catalyst to this. So you need to reduce your well, no, I like, anxiety that. in order for me to meet you somewhere in the middle. And to be fair, wild? Like, what about my wild, life? Wild, wild, What about wild. my life? I thought like, that. Please, and, give me some okay, examples. I'll give you an example. Which I will one give of you those is I'll, like- Let me just stop talking. I'll give you an example. So when he used to play for the Broncos, he lived in a city called Centennial, Colorado, which is like, I don't know, it was like beautiful. 40 minutes. It's beautiful. I, I do. I miss it so much, which was like, what was it, about 40 minutes from DIA, the airport. So he would pick me up and he would, so he would leave his house. I don't know what he was doing. He could have been like eating before, maybe he was home, but he would come get me shortest possible time away from his house would be like 90 minutes by the time he drove to the airport waited for me to get in or even he was so sweet he's actually come inside and meet me um but like 90 minutes away like from his home and I would come back and there would be a candle lit and it wasn't like a oh, romantic my girlfriend's in town candle it was like this is just a candle that I keep lit all day he probably kept it lit while he was at work like he kept it lit at least those 90 minutes while we were away and that is wild and risky and it's proof that you were this way, actually. So I was wrong when I first said you weren't this way. You were this way early on. And this is why I cannot not worry. I have to go downstairs and check all the candles every night before I go to sleep. I have to check the locks because you leave doors unlocked. The best part is you don't even realize that you're proving my point. I said, <laughs> say something that defines me as risky. And you said, I... I leave candles lit. That is so risky. Yes. Oh, oh, you can okay, set a house cool. on fire. Let's get the rest of these roses and thorns because I got a big lead and I'm not going to blow it. Um, But anyway, okay, fine. Yeah, I have so many roses too. You refill my coffee. You took the kids to school the other day. You took them to school on Friday, so it was great. I didn't have to. And I was just sitting there drinking in a full thing of iced coffee. I like iced coffee. So I just like make coffee from the hot thing and then fill a pitcher up every week. But it, it tends to be like every three days because I drink a lot of coffee. Um, and he refills it for me all the time. And it's just so sweet. And those weren't very deep roses, but they mean a lot to me. I got another rose, but once again, another week, we cannot talk about Dominique, my, it's my so weird asset. when you, no, it is so weird when you say that. That is a thorn also, that you make these subtle jokes. It is very reminiscent of people I know who are weird. I know exactly who you're going to say. <laughs> I'm not saying it. It is very reminiscent of someone I know who used to do that and make everyone uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, 
I like to make people uncomfortable. It's I know. Part of my um, great joys in life is making people uncomfortable, even if it's you. I know. You do like to make me uncomfortable. Um, another rose is that he came with me to my, the friend we hosted a baby shower for. Someone else hosted another baby shower for her. Um, and it was um, more chill and it was like family. Ours was just like women. Um, but this was like family. So husbands and kids were there. So he and my oldest daughter came to the baby shower. And I was like, so the other two had sleepovers. And I was so pleased. I was like, oh my gosh, like, you're so nice. Like, look at you. And he really does love chanting. Um, but then he sat in a corner. Him and Avery made their plates and they sat in a corner the whole time on their phones. And apparently what they were doing was a personality test where, of course, they were both like introverts, <laughs> like exactly <laughs> what you would think of the two people who choose during a baby shower in the corner on their phone doing a personality test then they did it on me on the car the uber ride home and it was not the same as them we watched pimple popper videos too and um and extremely long ingrown hair extraction videos we was living it up in the corner over there real normal we are extravagant um but thank you for coming and thank you for your willingness to cook the turkey however it is you're gonna cook it that's a rose you're great if I, um, I love if you. I burn up, then it's all right. It's meant to be, it's meant to be. Let's get up out of here. I'll see you on the other side. I love you. Oh, um, a rose for you. Just being you. You're perfect. You um helped me with my mom's surprise party and all that stuff. That was great. It was your dad who did your mom's surprise party. All credit goes to him. You uh went and picked up the cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's not oh, funny, and that wasn't my fault. Uh, joke. All right, people. Anyway, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Addie Khan. Thank you, Sarah Abbott. Parker Owens showing up. And of course, Christina Buswell. Thanks, everybody. And thank you guys for listening. Bye, Ashley. Love you. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.